I'm just like such a control freak just by nature that I have to tell myself before I do anything creative and kind of just like to start my day in general, I have the mantra of, I allow the universe to surprise me in the most joyous of ways. And I just, I, I have to say that to myself because I have to just like make sure that I'm letting things happen to myself instead of just like wanting to control everything that happens. Hey, welcome to Artistic Beginnings. I'm Mitch. And I'm Melody. This is a podcast where we speak with a variety of creatives to learn about their artistic beginnings. Today on our show, we have Tessa Ray Evelyn. Tessa is an experienced actor turned director living in Los Angeles. Among a ton of other incredible topics, we had a really in-depth conversation about mindfulness and its importance in the industry. Super exciting. So let's jump right back in. And then when that one doesn't work, I do when I don't know what is happening. I choose to be curious and excited about what is to be. (laughs) That's amazing. I love those. I think that everybody can benefit from that and definitely control freaks because I totally feel that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm a major, major control freak. I have a planner. I like to know exactly what's going to happen, all the steps to take to get somewhere. And when that doesn't happen, I start to panic. And those two mantras really kind of like keep me grounded and I feel like much more at ease about just life in general <laughs> rather than everything that kind of comes at you. Where where did those mantras come from? Um, One of them, I think I read in a book. And then the second one, I think I, I think I found that one, um, it was. It came from something else, and then I changed it to um, what just kind of suited me. It came from something about like um, needing to control, like what's happening, or mm-hmm. or it was the feeling of being out of control with the world and choosing to be like excited about what's going to happen instead of um, fearful. That's really awesome. Like, have you done any like uh, research into like? mindfulness and that kind of thing like that's all I could think of when when you were mentioning those those mantras oh yeah like a hundred percent I uh can't I the person that I was before I found any sort of mindfulness in my life is a different person Hmm. how so I think it's brought me a lot of peace as like an artist and a human Um, and just as an overall, uh, like more spiritual person, I feel so much more grounded. Um, and we talked a little bit about it a minute ago, but just the control aspect and in the arts, you have so little control over anything that is, is, I mean, I guess in the world is outside of you. Um, especially when it comes to career stuff. Yeah, I I found uh, like I, I recently got into a lot more mindfulness practice with um, uh, just the people that I work with are very much involved in in deep meditation and really being aware of your surroundings and being kind of in a mindset of gratefulness always. And mm-hmm. I found that really appealing. I can definitely see how it's it's helpful in that kind of really managing expectations and and making sure that you know you're taking all of the you're rolling with the punches essentially. Yeah. And I think it really allowed me to bring joy into my creative life that kind of was 
absent once I started, once I turned my art into uh, a career. Um, I lost a little bit of the joy in it. And I think uh, staying grounded and mindful and reminding myself to be excited about what's coming and to remind myself to allow things to happen um, gave me so much more room to bring that kind of happiness and carefree uh to my life. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, it's very it's very easy to forget when you're in the arts that, you know, you're having fun and it's supposed to be a joyous thing because when you get into the business side of it, you get very in your head about it and I think it's really wonderful that you found a way to kind of like sit back and really look at it and be like, "No, this is something that I really enjoy doing and like because it's so uncertain, because we know it's like you can't count on anything, it's nice to be able to be like, no, I can enjoy it and like be excited about things that are coming. And just changing that mindset, I think, is wonderful and hard to yeah. do. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to say I'm excited about it, but like actually putting the work into, you know, get yourself grounded and get yourself in that mindset is it's tough. Yeah, to I think that's the best way. It's so much it's so easy for anyone to be like, just have fun. Like just like don't worry about it. Just like have a good time. And to find the balance of genuinely meaning it that you are having a good time and also still focusing on the ambitious part of you that is trying to make this a career. Like that's that's uh that takes a lot of practice. Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about kind of your experience with that transition. So uh, you said that um, the, this mindfulness kind of uh, brought you the ability to bring back the joy even after you made the transition from uh, maybe starting off doing the arts in more of a, uh, a more fun capacity versus a career. Uh, can you talk about like what those experiences were where you like, what was the transition point and uh, what were your experiences that kind of led you to the needing to, to find that uh, motivation for mindfulness? Um, well, I think that I've always been a very driven person. And like we mentioned earlier, I, I like to have a plan. I like to know how to execute that plan. And then I will take, I will do all of the steps that it takes to, to finish that. Um, and I, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do. I, you know, went to school for acting. I take class for acting. I did workshops for acting. Um, and then when it came down to it, the business side of it was just so not something that I was prepared for. And, um, I kind of felt like I, uh, started to lose myself in, in the, in the, the stress of not understanding the steps. I just thought like, if I knew how to do this, I, I could, I was getting advice from people and hearing things from people. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to build a website and I need to do this and I need to do that. And like, okay, great. Got a website. Okay, great. Got a resume. Okay, great. Did a short film, putting a reel together. Like I'm doing it. But then I realized that like in all of that, it still wasn't, it just didn't feel like I was like enough to get cast in the things that I wanted to be cast in. And it, it felt like I wasn't achieving the things I wanted to be achieving. And at a certain point, once you've done all of the steps, it's just patience and practice. 
And that really started to like wear me down when it still wasn't happening. And it was like, but I'm doing everything that I should be doing, right? Like I'm doing all the things. And um, I eventually got to the point where I noticed that like uh, my sister who she and I lived together and my mom came to visit when we were all out to dinner and I was like revved up about like, I couldn't even have dinner. Like I was like, well, I need to be, I need to be, I probably need to be doing this. I probably, I, you know what I should do? I should redo my website. I should redo my website. And it got to the point where like my mom looked at me and she was like, can you just have dinner? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, like I couldn't be present because I was thinking about all the things that I should or could be doing to move this career forward. And, um, I would say in about, I would say like 2015, I started, uh, meditating and it was, it was really just to find like a practice, just something that I could do every day. And after I, I've, I've been meditating ever since I journal every day. Um, I, and I, I've, I've kind of developed like a very small routine that over time got me to a place of more self-acceptance and, um, the mantras that we kind of talked about earlier kind of started allowing like this joy to come back in because I was creating space for things to happen instead of kind of like like strangling my career and life uh, to the point that everyone around me just wanted to strangle me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you had that kind of checklist that you felt like you had to accomplish and and that was actually going to move you forward and after you kind of took that that checklist away and started really being kind of more more present and really aware of allowing things to happen rather than kind of forcing them through um that that really kind of opened up whole new opportunities for you. Well, it's funny you should say that because that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, I spent all of uh, at, uh, all of Christmas last year telling myself that I was going to spend all of 2019 just simply allowing things to happen. That I was just going, I wasn't going to force anything. I wasn't going to take class. I wasn't going to, you know, I was going to open myself up, open my schedule up so much that I was going to allow things to come to me. And uh, I started directing. And I haven't auditioned at all this year. And I've directed four projects this year that all came to me. I didn't go out looking for them. They People approached me to do it. So, yeah. It seems like um, making space is a very important thing. And, you know, it's playing that game of I'm doing all the things why is nothing happening and like you said it is such a waiting game because you know it could happen tomorrow it could happen next year it could happen in two years and I think that being able to just like sit in the uncertainty and be like you know what no I'm just gonna let things happen and I'm gonna be okay with it and I think making that space and getting that thought of like why isn't it happening yet into I'm just gonna let it happen is extremely helpful and like really cool that you were able to do that and that, you know, things came to fruition because of it. Yeah. And it's so funny because the things that came into fruition were not necessarily things that I had spent the last five years working towards. 
Yeah, has that spilled out into any other kind of parts of your life too? I I, I think we do want to talk about kind of your your transition a little bit from uh, the performing side to the the director opportunities that you've taken. But I'd love to understand a little bit more about kind of how this practice has probably seeped into the the rest of your life and just kind of what what that's meant for you. Uh, well, I I met someone recently who like in the last year, um, and he said to me like oh, you just, you seem so um, at ease about your career. And he was like, for someone in LA to be just so at ease with their career, it seems so interesting. He was like, you just seem at ease about everything. You know, like you're not worried about where your life is going and like how it's going to get there. And um, I laughed because I was like, oh, well, you didn't know me. you know, three years ago, it was a very different kind of thing. But um, yeah, I I think that it has changed uh, the way that I even just kind of like look at my own self, like my own, I don't know, it's changed a little bit of my self-worth and the way that I kind of look at how I value my time, how I value the people in my life. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm a little more choosy and a little bit more selective about the things that I do because uh, I've opened up so much space, I guess. In January, I went to Europe. And then in February, I went to Yosemite. And I really just decided that I was going to open myself up to experiences. And I just kind of kept saying to myself, like, I'm really, really excited about whatever this year is supposed to be. And in February maybe like late February, a friend of mine came to me and she said, hey, I wrote this script. It's for this film festival. Um, it's very like unique. It's called Spliff, um, which is a, a stoner film festival in Seattle. And she was like, would you direct my short? And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, cool. Like, let's do it. Um, and so we made that short and then ended up getting to the festival and it did really well and it was a lot of fun. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm excited for like whatever the next project is. And then uh, my best friend came to me and she's a musician and she said, Hey, I need a music video for this song. Let me know if anything like inspires you and let's like make something. And so I listened to the song and then I was like, Oh, we could do something kind of cool. And then in uh, April, we shot her music video and it got like a really nice write up in uh, a magazine called Ruckus. Um, And then after that, it was just kind of like a snowball effect. I just kind of kept doing the same pattern because I was like, well, that was fun. And not just the doing the projects was fun, but um, allowing myself to just say, great, okay, what's next? And uh, giving myself kind of the freedom to not feel like I had to go out chasing after something that I was just going to let like things kind of come to me to be created, uh, which is obviously like very different from how I attached uh, or attacked my my acting career. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I know what I did that I didn't like during my acting career. Not that it's over by any means. I'm just they're kind of separate at this point. Um, but I just didn't want to make the same kind of mistakes where I was just like chasing down, you know, uh, just like chasing the work instead of letting the work just kind of like come to me. 
And I feel like the, the work that came, I learned a lot and it was all really exciting. And I realized a lot about myself through directing just as a, as a creative person, which was like kind of cool. Had you done anything like that before? Yes. So I directed uh, something in 2014. It was a two minute, like a teaser for a feature film script that I wrote. And I had never written anything before, but I went through like a kind of like a weird breakup that I didn't fully understand what what exactly happened. And so I was like, I'm going to write like a little scene just to kind of like figure it out. And then all of a sudden I had a, a feature film. I had 120 pages of a story that was mostly fiction. And I was like, oh, well, this is like a whole story. I, I should... I guess I should make something to kind of like prove that I could like turn this into something. And so I got a bunch of people together that I knew all were much, much further along in their film careers than I was. I mean, the people I won't like name drop, but there were the people that helped me with that trailer are now a very big deal. <laughs> they were The people that were there for that very tiny piece of work out of, you know, my 25 year old self being like, great, let's make something. They are now doing much bigger things. But I thought that I I learned that was kind of the key. It's like surround yourself with people that are really great. And so I did that one thing. And then I didn't really do anything directing wise for another year. Um, Then I did like a small music video in like 2015. And then I kind of told myself, I was like, no, I I really, I'm an actress. Like, this is what I need to be doing. And like, kind of turned my back on this, this thing that I really enjoyed doing. But I was like, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to be an actress. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, it was kind of, it's been like a long journey to this, but it feels like I'm, I'm doing the things that are coming naturally now, which feels really good. Sounds like the universe was trying to help you a little bit there. <laughs> um, you yes, like, Melody. No. <laughs> Did we not start by me telling you that I'm a control freak? <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's wonderful though to see that like things that you are meant to be doing are years in the process. It's not yeah. something that's just gonna, I mean, it may just plop itself in your lap, but you will maybe be like, oh no, that wasn't the plan. So we're gonna just push that to the side. But it still was kind of like underlying there for a while until you were just like, you know what? No, I'm gonna let it fully come out and see where it goes. Yeah. And that's really scary for someone who works works on just plans. You know, I my plan totally. was to be an actress and my plan was to be a good one. And my plan was to do everything in my power to make that happen. And I watched so many people who supported me as an actress and watched my work and loved my work and were excited for me and wanted those things to happen, um, be really confused as to why it wasn't happening. And kept kind of saying like, the same thing, where it's just like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why you're not getting into that room. I don't know why you're having such a hard time finding reps. Like, I don't know why. And, uh, but I would, I would say that like, when I think about directing in this capacity, uh, it just kind of all is like unfolding easily. And I'm not, you know, pushing it into being something. 
it's it's hard when you know you're doing everything and you're like why isn't it happening you know you put in the work and you see the results and you're like i you know not to be conceited but i am good like why is it not you know coming to fruition but it's also one of those games where because the business that you chose that we both chose is so unpredictable and there's no set path getting somewhere, which is so difficult for my brain and I'm sure your brain to understand <laughs> because we're like, mm-hmm. no, there has to be like a whole plan um, is that, you know, it can all work its way, like weave its way together. So, you know, directing will bring up things and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's 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 cool to see that that's happened. It's frustrating. But I mean, I think it's wonderful that you found another way that you're like, I actually really enjoy this too. And it's a way for you to let your creative self flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that something you said earlier about the universe was showing you like, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I think I kind of derailed myself, you know, it's like if I, the very first thing I directed was five years ago and I kept being like, no, like you're not doing that. Go back and do this. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. a control freak. And then you yeah, have your yeah. mantras, so now you're okay. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. I'm cured. So I'll talk to you later. Um... <laughs> we figured it out. We know how to. We know how the business works. Just don't give a shit and let things go. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's really interesting because when I think of a director, I I feel like a director kind of has to be that control freak in order for any like shit to get done. So it just kind of sounds like you shifted from like having the the control aspect of your life that that does seem kind of somewhat central and shifting it away from like, oh, this is being controlling about my career and more along the lines of like putting yourself in a position that the control is kind of a, a skill that is probably required for the role. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I think the thing that I like the most about directing is I get to be a storyteller I get to live in those kind of imaginary circumstances. I get to play out the story. I get to watch it in my head. I get to help the actors get there. I get to talk to the camera about what the vision is. I get to, you know, there's so many things that I get to do that are so creative. And then I also get to be the control freak that I, that I am. And not in a way where like, I mean, I don't know, there's probably people in this world, my family included that would say well like yeah she likes being she likes being the boss like I like telling people (laughs) I like to tell people what to do I think you're right in that I've discovered that with acting there is a part of my brain that was necessary to turn off in order to be good there's a part of you that has to shut down all of the logistical sides of you all of the the technical of like like the logical sides of you kind of have to be like turned off. The thing that I love so much about directing is that I get to use both sides of my brain. I've always had a really, really hard time turning off the logical side of myself. Even when I would say it was the best, the best scene, the best performance I ever gave took a lot of energy to turn that part of me off. And I could only do it in very like, minute periods of time um and when you watch people who are who are so incredible they can turn that off so quickly and I I think I struggled for a really long time with that and kind of felt like that was like something that hindered me 
But as a director, I find that being able to use both sides of my brain at the same time is exhilarating and thrilling. And I feel like I'm at like my 100% potential um, that I never really quite got the same, the same feeling for, for an extended period of time before. Yeah, it sounds like you were able to find a way to be your true self in a sense in something that you enjoy doing and in a career because I totally get having to turn off the logistical side of your brain. It's very difficult. Um, And when you're in a capacity where you're able to use both sides, both your artistic side and your control freak side, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's wonderful and it kind of creates this world where you're able to do all the things that you want to do. Whereas with acting, you may have not been able to get to that, you know, 100% truly you position. Yeah, I felt like with acting, I was always asking, like, is this right? Like, I kept just wanting to watch myself. I kept just wanting to be like, I just need to like, see it so that I can like, figure out how to fix it. And as a director, I feel like I'm able to watch an actor go through that and then can like see it happening and can kind of like come in and be like, okay, so here's what's happening. You are doing this right. Like keep doing that. This is working. This is working. Like change this part of it. Instead of me trying to do that while I'm acting, I get to kind of do that for other people now, which is nice. I think it's wonderful that you have the experience of acting under your belt. So you are able to be like, oh, I know exactly how you're feeling right now. And (laughs) I can relate to that. And I know how to, I think every director should have to take an acting class. (laughs) We've had this conversation before because, (laughs) you know, when you're in it, it's very different because you can't see it. And I've totally been in those situations where I'm like, I don't get it. I need to be able to like, see what's happening. And that's why, you know, with the acting studio that we both went to, I think it was helpful when you had rehearsals and saw other people doing things. So you were like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I was doing. Now I can figure out how to either do that more or do that less or whatever. But I definitely think that like having that under your belt is so useful and so pivotal um, to be able to communicate it more directly rather than having to spend a lot of time figuring out the right way to say it, you're able to just be like, no, I understand that. I clock what you're doing. Let me get my brain in there to help you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely try to do that. That is something that I want to, to be able to do because there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like as an actor that you're, you're doing something and the, it's, not like a, it's not like you want to like please them, but you want to make sure that you're doing what they want. And uh, Totally. Yeah. So to, I always, I want to be the director that supports what an actor is doing and then helps them shape it into my idea if I need it to be changed (laughs) instead of being like, this is terrible. (laughs) Right. And I mean, that's where that skill comes in is to be able to understand how an actor is feeling (laughs) to be without having to be like, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's using the right language and then also having it in the right tone and understanding the the feelings that are involved with uh, kind of emoting that, right? Yeah, and I feel like some of the best acting teachers are are great, great directors. They probably don't want to be directors, but um, I feel like I learned a lot from watching some of our teachers, you know, just like the the amount of support that they give an actor is so important 
I think that the studio that Melody and I used to go to um, does it really well that they um, that they approach acting in a way where it's like you can't you're not going to ever be bad. So let me just like guide you into your best self. I think our teachers did a really nice job of of teaching me not intentionally, but teaching me how to talk to actors. Shout out John Rosenfeld Studios. (laughs) Jeff Witzke, Dusty Warren. And all of our subs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Graham. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's extremely valuable. And especially because you were able to, you know, you were in that class for a while and being in that room, being able to watch how they talked to different people. Cause you know, everybody learns differently and everybody, everybody's brain works differently. So being able to have the terminology or the different skills to be able to communicate with different people is it's a skill. <laughs> we'll probably have to have you on again to talk uh, more about uh, either upcoming things that, that you're going to be doing and that kind of thing. Yes. But um, we also have a set of closing questions that we like asking everybody. Oh, yeah. Totally. Let's do it. Uh, What is the hardest thing uh, about pursuing the arts or any of your endeavors? I think the hardest thing about pursuing the arts is not getting lost in what other people expect of you or expect you to be and and really focusing on on maintaining who you are as an individual. Do you have any ways that that you are typically able to kind of combat that then? Because that is something that a lot of us struggle with. I think a healthy understanding of your self-worth, which means something different to anyone, but I would say a healthy understanding of your self-worth. It doesn't mean that you have to know who you are as an artist, but you have to at least know who you are as a person and having very clear boundaries about what you accept into your life and what you don't. Because I think it can be very alluring to have someone tell you who they think you are so that you can get work. But I think that's a really slippery slope into blurring your own personal boundaries that uh, are there to protect you and your self-worth and the love that you have for yourself. So well put. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Who have you learned the most from? Oh, man, this is going to sound like so weird. And I need this to come across in like the least narcissistic or ego-driven way. (laughs) Do it. Honestly, I I feel like I've learned the most from myself. Uh, I feel like every person knows what is best for themselves just deep down, I think inherently we are born with like a deep truth and we tend to get caught up in, in the way that the world expects things. And, um, and honestly, yeah, through kind of this, this mindfulness journey, this meditation, this really connecting with myself and, and knowing who I am, I've, I've discovered some like really, really great, uh, advice that's come through meditation that's come through um experiences that's come through from like my own self-awareness and really looking at my own bullshit and being like oh like you need to get your shit together 
like, oh, you're really hurting yourself in this situation. Or, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to to be happy. This is what it feels like to create something you're proud of. And I, I, I know that sounds like kind of weird or I'm supposed to have some sort of answer where it's like, my third grade teacher taught me blah, blah, blah. But um, <laughs> when I finally stopped listening to everyone else's advice and I just got quiet enough to listen to my own advice, my own self, I feel like that's where I kind of like grew the most and, and learned the most. I think that's a fascinating answer. Um, I actually have a very similar belief in that kind of space where it's like, even if you are learning from others, you're always the one that is eventually taking and interpreting what that is and forming it to your own perspective. So in a sense, like even if you are getting advice from others, in a way you are learning from yourself most because you're filtering out what you're actually going to be taking action on. Yeah, I agree. Super neat. I like that answer a lot. Um, <laughs> I like it's not self-centered at all. I think it's the most honest answer, and I honestly think that you know you have truly found the most information within yourself. And I do think I think it's cool, um, Mitch, what you're talking about, where it boils down to everything you see. You are the one interpreting it, so you are technically learning from yourself <laughs> you're taking yeah. the information how you want to not necessarily because somebody can give you something in their tone or whatever and you completely take it as something else whether for good or bad but that's all on you totally it is yeah and I think that uh there have been some harsh truths that I've had to learn from myself and some very um, enlightening, beautiful truths that I've learned. But um, yeah, I think being aware of, of, of how you're even interpreting things can really change the way that things work out for you in the world. Totally. So kind of in the, the same kind of realm, do you have any resources or anything that's kind of helped you uh, kind of become the person that you are today or that, again, that you've kind of learned from that you think that anyone could kind of value having access to that resource? Oh my gosh. I've so, I'm like addicted to, I call them self-learning books. A lot of people call them self-help books. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I love, um, I love You Are a Badass. I think her, I think the, the author's name is Jen Santos. Um, I could be wrong. Jen, uh, I'm messing it up, but she wrote a really amazing book. Brene Brown is incredible. There's another man, I think his name's Brennan. Um, he has a really good YouTube video, a TED Talk, um, that actually got me started. Uh, it actually got me started uh, living a much healthier life. Um, meditating, journaling, connecting with people in a different way, exercising, really taking care of myself in, in, a, in a new way. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of uh, reading and listening to other people talk. I'm a big fan of, of some of those people. Totally not on the same <laughs> path. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a detour. <laughs> We're taking a complete detour. Um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, my first thought was like, oh, well, I'm like pretty terrified of the dark. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, like, 
sometimes just the dark itself will keep me up. Um, <laughs> I have valid, a pretty, valid answer. Yeah, I have a, a ritual of sorts where like uh, I have to I've seen every episode of The Office, uh, Parks and Rec and Kimmy Schmidt because I if I wake up in the middle of the night and I like scare myself, I'll turn on the office um and it just feels like fine like my friends are in the room i'm like okay like good night guys <laughs> but i mean like what actually keeps me like uh, i mean i don't know i could i could probably like i think the meditation and the journaling definitely helps ease some of my my replaying of you know oh i said that thing to someone i hope they didn't take it the wrong way and like Oh, mm. I wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow when I see that person or, uh, you know, Mitch and Melody asked me to do this podcast. And like, what if I don't have anything interesting to say? <laughs> Incorrect, but okay. <laughs> you know, those kinds of, I yeah. think they're just like normal everyday things. I mean, besides right. the dark, I don't feel like most people at the age of 31 would admit that they're afraid of the dark. But, you know, what are you going to do? They wouldn't admit it, but, <laughs> they are, but maybe they are. that's the difference. You're stronger than they are. You admitted it. <laughs> and to make another detour, this one's a little less <laughs> scary, I guess. Um, do, you have a, <laughs> do you have a favorite, like, piece of art or, like, artistic thing that uh, has inspired you recently? Uh, like, whether that's, like... Uh, music, a movie, TV show, a performance, um, any of those kind of things? A book. I mean, Fleabag. Fleabag is a national mm. phenomenon. Mm. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge and I look pretty stinking similar. You do. Yeah. When I watch the show, you know, she's, it's a kind of a, we'll it's a little side by side. <laughs> yeah. It's a little vulgar of a, of a show sometimes. And I would be watching and be like, Oh my God, like it looks like me. Like it literally looks like I'm doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say, but yeah, Fleabag is, is incredible. I've never seen anyone uh, break the fourth wall like that. I've never seen an actress handle comedy and drama just I mean, simultaneously, I think her perspective on the world is fascinating. Um, I think she's an incredible writer. I think she's an incredible actress, and she just doesn't even realize. Um, yeah, I would say that that show really, like, got me excited about uh, where TV is going. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love that show. The ease with which they jump, like you said, from the the insanely, like, uh, hilarious kind of topic and then they just flip on a dime to this like really intense moment it's just kind of like startling but not so much so that you're like taken out of the experience you're like oh this is out of place like the whole time you're in it yeah and she's so she's so honest she's she really like puts it all out there the good the bad the ugly the whole show is just kind of about human behavior at its best and worst I think she's incredible I think she's amazing do you have any role models? Um, and if so, are there any, you know, pieces of wisdom or quotes that you refer back to or you really love from said person or people? <laughs> Wouldn't it be so funny if I was like, um, I really feel like I'm my own role model. Um... <laughs> I would I would love I honestly I was wait I hoped you would have done that. I was like, please say yourself, please say yourself. <laughs> no. Oh my god. 
I really think I'm my best role model. I really <laughs> say some amazing things. Um, I'm just so <laughs> inspirational. <laughs> Oh, my God. I would die. Um, <laughs> oh, a role model. I don't feel like there's any one person that, like, stands out. I feel like collectively, you know, mm. there's always, like, so many people that come into your life just for, like, a brief minute, you know. and Totally. They kind of, like, show you either something about themselves and the way that they live where you're like, oh God, like, I want to be like that. Um, or they do the complete opposite and you're like, well, I know I would never behave that way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't think that I have any one person. I will say that I read a quote from Brene Brown and it stuck with me for a really, really long time. And it really gave me a sense of community that I'd never really like understood before. But the quote is, you can't be great in a big world without having at least one small safe place to work through your fears and failures. And then I think that that is, that is very um, special. And I think it helps remind me that, um, that you, nobody is successful on their own. Nobody comes up with a great idea and then just like magically like manifests it on their own. And that it's totally okay to have a small group of people that you feel safe enough that you can work through your bad ideas or you can practice in front of or um, and get feedback so that you can be great in this big world. I think that the way that she phrased that really just kind of made me realize like we don't do anything alone. Like we're not, we're never alone. Like whether it's you know, doing something great or just practicing the small stuff. A lot of people forget that, you know, everyone who's successful, there's nobody that just did it by themselves. There's a team behind every successful person. People forget that it does take a village. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And anyone who thinks that they can do it on their own, I think is really doing a, themselves a disservice and those around them because I think greatness inspires greatness. And some of the people that I've shared my worst my worst creative ideas with I've also shared some of my best and vice versa and I think that's important I think that's a that was a a good a good quote for me I, I like that quote too because it's just like really clear and succinct um it, it's not overly complicated mm -hmm. and you can interpret it in a bunch of different ways to to kind of still have that positive impact there if you were speaking with a person that is either between jobs, doing a nine to five that they're not really inspired by, and they are interested in pursuing uh, the arts in some capacity, whether that's uh, acting, directing, or, or anything otherwise, what would be the best advice that you could give them? Find as much joy as you possibly can in your nine to five job and find time throughout your week to invest in this other part of this other career. I think there's so much shame in actors needing a nine to five job. And I'm just really tired of that narrative that in order to be a successful director, actor, producer, et cetera, that you're not allowed to have something that gives you stability. 
And I think that it's, it's just like a really unhealthy way to look at something that you want to be pursuing as it's got to be an all or nothing thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Totally. Um, it comes down to identity, right? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to tell somebody, if somebody came up to me and they're like, you know, hey, I, I work in marketing for, I don't know, bananas, but I really <laughs> want to be an actor, I would say, that's amazing. Take a class. Like, that's amazing. Get on Actors Access. Like, oh my gosh, yes, like, you totally should take an improv class. But I think that this expectation that you have to be an actor 100% of the time, it's not sustainable, it, you know, and not in a negative way, but it's just like, you're allowed to have stability, you're allowed to, to keep your, your nine to five and still pursue this career. And that isn't a, a lesser than thing. I just want people to know that like, you're allowed to, to have both, you know, that like, yes, pursue your dream, but like, don't feel like you have to suffer while you do it. Yeah, I think that's a major flaw in the entertainment industry narrative is that you're not a real actor if you have a nine to five or you're not a real actor if you if you don't make all of your money out of acting or whatever. I think it's really damaging. And I think, you know, it's not accurate <laughs> because unless no. unless you're an A-list celebrity, there's no way that you can make a full like be able to live comfortably in whatever your means are but basic needs it's not sustainable like you said and it's not it doesn't necessarily need to be a negative thing yeah I think you said it right I think it's uh I think it's damaging I think it's damaging to expect people to live off of one student film a year and that that makes them an actor. <laughs> like, I think that that's a, I think that's a very damaging narrative. And I also think it's damaging to your self-worth. Yeah. It's almost kind of like you're not a real person because <laughs> you're not allowed, <laughs> you're not allowed to have your basic needs. You know, you have yeah. to, it's, it's the idea that every actor has to suffer for their art, that everybody has to be the starving actor or else you can't really call yourself an actor. Yes. So yes, my advice to someone who had a nine to five job and wanted to pursue acting, I would say absolutely take a class audition, like work, but, but don't, don't throw your whole, don't throw your whole life away to, to do that. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Humans are complex. You're allowed to, you're allowed to do lots of things at one time and it actually makes you more interesting. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really enjoyed our conversation with Tessa. If you did too, let us know by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like you find the show. You can find out more about Tessa and keep up to date with her on her website, www.tessa-evelyn.com. For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Also, we just launched a website. Woohoo! So you can get more details on the episodes, including links referenced in the episode and much more content on our website, www.artisticpodcast.com. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. See ya!